Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the Coleman Had a Dream podcast, a, uh, a very hastily put together Coleman Had a Dream podcast. Our winter break has been cut short due to the retirement of Gareth Frank Bale. Uh, I am joined as ever by Ruth. How are you doing, Ruth? Okay, okay. Happy New Year. Um, obviously, a bit of an unexpected start to this week, but uh, yeah, no, do, doing okay. Doing okay. Absolutely good. Well, Happy New Year to you too. Happy New Year to everyone listening. I hope you all had a good Christmas. Um, we are going to be talking today, uh, obviously, about Gareth Bale. He announced his retirement uh, with two separate uh, posts yesterday, uh, which I massively enjoyed in principle, I've got to be honest. Um, it was kind of a bit of a weird feeling yesterday, Ruth. I don't know about you. I, I, I was walking out of school and I got a text off my friend said, Gareth Bale's retired. And I was like, oh, good one. And looked at my phone. I was like, oh, bloody hell, he really has. Um and I don't want to sound over dramatic because it's not like, you know, Gareth and I were best friends, but it, it kind of hit me a bit. Like I saw someone on Twitter posted and um, this is what the English felt like when the Queen died. And I kind of I kind of um, I kind of get the reference. Really, It was quite it was quite it's quite a surreal feeling, wasn't it? Well, I, that's why I felt anyway. Yeah, I mean, I it was. It was a funny Monday morning because obviously the time difference here meant it was it was first thing in the morning that I got the news. And actually, indirectly, it was it was you that told me because it was about half past seven yesterday morning here, and I I could see that our um, Chad uh, Common had a, a, a dream WhatsApp group was just kind of being a bit active, so I thought, oh well, I'll open this up, and um, and you'd put a, an image of the his retirement statement to the Welsh fans. And it actually really threw me, but not in the way that you expect, because I read that and it said, I'm retiring from international football. And I'm like, that's not, not right. That can't be right. He'd never retire from international football because I was reading that in isolation. I hadn't seen the other one. Yeah. And so I, I actually was like, no, 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 no. This is just, Dave's fallen for something. This is, this is wrong. <laughs> Gareth wouldn't just, re just retire from international football. He'd never do that. Um, and it was only obviously when I read the other statement, the more, gen the more generic one, that, that the, the Welsh-specific one then made sense. Um, but initially I was really thrown by it because it was just like, no, I, he would never do this. He would never just retire from international football. Um, so I ha actually had a bit of trouble getting my head around it initially as a premise. Then once I just accepted the news, I'm, I'm with you. It was like, I mean, it's the end of an era. We can't pretend it isn't. And I know, I know there's a lot of effort going into making sure this is a transition period and not a kind of a full stop and a restart. And, and I think in fairness, it is going to be a transition, but that he's had such an impact that it does feel like the end of an era. Oh, without question. First of all, I love that this yeah. would, the, the, your first thought was, I've done something wrong. Uh, not, that, <laughs> <laughs> not that I've shared helpful information. Uh, Dave's dropped the ball again. Um, yeah. <laughs> Um, I just wanted to to read uh, the, the statement actually because I, I actually think it's the way certain things are worded. I think are really kind of kind of powerful. I, I don't know if that's too dramatic, but mm -hmm. to my Welsh family, my decision to retire from international football has been by far the hardest of my career. How do I describe what being a part of this country and team means to me? How do I articulate the impact it has had had every on my life? How do I put into words the way I felt every single time I put on that Welsh shirt? My answer is that I couldn't possibly do any of those things justice simply with words. But I know that every person involved in Welsh football feels the magic and is impacted in such a powerful and unique way. So I know what you feel. So I know you feel what I feel without any words at all. My journey on the international stage is one that has not only changed my life, but who I am. The fortune of being Welsh and being selected to play for and captain Wales has given me some incomparable, something incomparable to anything else I've ever experienced. I'm honoured and humbled to be able to play a part in the history of this incredible country, to have felt the support and passion of the Red Wall and together have been to um, unexpected and amazing places. I shared a dressing room with boys that became brothers and backroom staff that became family. I played for the most incredible managers and felt the undying support and love for the most dedicated fans in the world. Thank you to every one of you for being on this incredible journey with me. So for now, I'm stepping back, but not away from the team that lives in me and runs through my veins. After all, the dragon on my shirt is all that I need. Together stronger, Dioch. I, I, I just... 
I think it's worth just kind of taking that in for a sec because there's some some phrases there that I've just like when I read it I was just like bloody hell, um, and I I think the the lack of of, of a way to kind of explain it um, and and put words to it, um, yet doing that so impeccably it, it was it was really interesting I thought and I, I just wondered what your thoughts were on the statement because I thought it was as I say really impactful and powerful. Um. Yeah, now I'm tearing up here. <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> um, I think, well, even just the opening, the fact that he refers to the Welsh family, not the fans, not the community, the family. Yeah. And then it just builds from there, doesn't it? And I um, I was listening to Radio 5 Live briefly yesterday. Um, and I think it was Mark Chapman um, quoted a little bit. And like he, he was making the point that even as you know, someone who's not connected with Welsh football and, you know, just looking from the outside in, he was impacted by by what that statement said. So, you know, God knows what it's doing to the rest of us. <laughs> and um, I think there's, yeah, I mean, it's an amazing summing up of the relationship between the team, which is, which is all of us. It's not just who's on the field. It's not just... The players and the coaches it's not just the players the coaches and the backroom staff it's not just them and the faw it's every one of us and i mean we're going to explore this more but there's there's been an impact beyond football hasn't there and i think i think that's um that's what he's trying to echo in those words and i and i think it, i think it's just very powerful very powerful yeah i think so and i think he's 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 you know that will have been a long time in the crafting. I have no doubt, but yeah. uh, I, I was really impressed with with the outcome. I mean, we want to look at him obviously from a Wales perspective, and I think it's difficult, really, because when you say that, like what people have achieved in in, in football, when people haven't won anything, it, it kind of takes it, people automatically like, oh bloody hell. So, I, I, before we look at his international stuff, I think it's just worth mentioning some club statistics. He's won the Champions League five times. Five whole times. That's mad. Um, the the FIFA Club World Cup four times. Uh, La Liga three times. Uh, the UEFA Super Cup three times. The Supercopa España three times. I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. He's been the PFA Player of the Year twice, 10, 11 and 12, 13. The Young Player of the Year, 12, 13, uh, as well as the PFA Player of the Year. Um it's he's won MLS, he's won the Supporters Shield, he's won the Copa del Rey, he's won the Carabao Cup. I mean, it's mad. He's he's played 11, 111 times for Wales, forty goals and twenty two assists. Sixty two. That should be forty one, really. But um, if you know, sixty two goal involvements in one hundred eleven games for a country like Wales, meaning no disrespect to us at all, is unreal. But you know, some of those numbers there are just staggering, aren't they? Yeah, I mean it is it is incredible, and I think I think what strikes me is that is that even with all of those, the, you know, those numbers and those figures and those trophies, it's been at club level and it applies at international level. But while we're talking about club, his ability just to step up when it's absolutely needed, like just the way he came on and you know saved um, saved LA in the in the MLS final and, you know, dragged them through that last 30 minutes of the game defensively, as well as his, his headed goal. Yeah. His, his ability to impact a game when it's really, really, really needed. That's demonstrated in all of those trophies. Yeah. I mean, I read yesterday, he's the only player to have scored a winning goal in two different champions leagues finals. I mean, that's, I mean, (laughs) that's mad. I mean, that's incredible. And obviously, I know the the winning goal, the second winning goal is that kind of drop, if you like, from from uh, Carrius of Liverpool. But that is obviously irrelevant when you consider the goal he scored before that, which is one of the best goals I've ever seen. Obviously, the overhead kick. I I can't remember whether you were still working uh, with us at that time, but I remember that goal. I, I was, my mum was here, and Joy, my wife, and my mum wanted to go to like this market in Boston. And uh, I was just like, oh, well, you know, I'll hold some of the shopping and go and see if I can find a pub and spend the afternoon in the pub. <laughs> God, knowing full well it was the Champions League final. 
and um, kind of snuck off to uh, one of those Irish bars near the Bell in Hand. You'll 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 you know which one I mean. Um, and yeah. uh, and uh, obviously sat there watching the match, and there were a load of Liverpool fans hanging around, and I obviously didn't care who won um, until Gareth Bale came on, and then he scores that, and I remember mm-hmm. my mum and Joy had just walked into this bar, and as they walked in. Gareth Bale did what he did, that overhead kick. And I remember just standing up and I just made a noise. Like I didn't like celebrate the goal or like jump about because I had no skin in the fight. I was just, I just made, I was just like, ah! I, I just like, it was just, just ridiculous. And, and then every time you watch it back, you think like, he plays for Wales. Like, and that link is, <laughs> is kind, kind of inextricable. Is that the right word? I don't know. Um, but, you know, when you see someone doing that, I know they represented, he represented Real Madrid at the time, but somehow I felt like he still represented Wales. Oh, undoubtedly. I mean, there's the, there's beautiful photos of him after after those winning games where, you know, he's walking around the field with a um, a Welsh flag over his shoulder and you know it's just like it's it's it was important to him as well yes he was representing Real Madrid but they each of those players is always also representing where they come from and the journey that they've been on and I, I don't I don't have a problem with no. um people playing at club level but then acknowledging where they're from and what it means to their community as well oh absolutely absolutely um Obviously, there's some magical goals in the Spurs years as well. Like, like, you know, the best thing about him retiring is that all I've done is watch Gareth Bale videos on my phone <laughs> on, on repeat. Um, but I, I remember the goal he scored uh, against West Ham. I think it was in a cup game, which is very similar to the goal he scored against Scotland where he got fouled. Uh, the ref played advantage and he just ran forward and just hit the shot. And you're just like, there's no way this can possibly... Oh, yeah, it has. Absolutely top corn, mate. <laughs> And like, and I, I'm sure people know what I'm talking about. But like, it 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 wasn't that he just did extraordinary things or score. Like he didn't. I don't think he scored a tapping in his whole life. But like, it it it, it was. It seemed to be at, the, at these extraordinary moments as well. And I think I know mm-hmm. we've experienced a lot of that in international level. But at club football, he did that. And so many times he scores this wondrous winning goal. And he's just like, how have you done that? Like, they, I remember they played Newcastle. And they beat uh, Spurs. Beat Newcastle two 0 the year before he went to Real Madrid. And Newcastle were completely in control of the game and uh, I think may have even gone 1-0 up. And at a point, it was just like, fine, okay, I'll win this. And I remember I was watching the game in Manchester because uh, we were up there visiting family and it, within the space of 10 minutes, he'd scored two goals. I think one was a free kick. And I was just like, what, what's happened here? Like, nothing, the Spurs have done nothing in this game and just from nowhere... As if, as if someone's just clicked their fingers. He's just gone right, right. Give it to me. I'll sort this mess out. Like, <laughs> like a teacher would with a naughty kid in school. Like, fine, <laughs> I'll do it. Do you know what I mean? And uh, yeah, he just had that knack at, at every level, didn't he? Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's kind of the point I was I was trying to make earlier with the the, the timing and the ability to just step up and finish a game off and and. I, I do think it's that that capacity of his to hold his cool in those most pressurised of moments and deliver, I think, is one of the most striking things about his career. Absolutely. Um, I, I remember, you know, thinking of memories of him. I was, like, going through the, the Rolodex of my mind and, and, and I remembered <laughs> uh, Owen Von Williams when we interviewed him. Like, he spoke so well about that summer in 2016 saying he had the best best seat in the mm-hmm. house. And I remember I said, like, what, what was he like in training? And, and he said that you think when you've gone to see a player live that he... Like you've you get a bit of better understanding of how good that person is, but he said that Gareth Bale was like someone else when you were training with him. Let's say it's it's all well and good watching them in person, but he said when you're sharing a pitch with that person and you know how hard it is to do the things they're doing, or you're on the receiving end of the ball flying in the top corner or whatever, he was just like he said he had a whole new appreciation of like what a footballer was, you know, what a top level footballer was after that, and I think. That that's that's something that really struck me. Is there any kind of memories? You know, what is your favourite memories of him? If we if we if we start thinking about him in a Wales shirt, I actually think um, my favourite stuff might be off the field. Strangely, like you know, he's 
his giggles at training and the practical jokes and the the ease at which he gave those press conferences in Euro 16 in particular and the um, just his sort of affability and approachability and the complete lack of ego. I think that's, that's that might actually be my favourite thing about him, that he's not just a great player. He's he's been I mean I know we talk about Chris Gunter being the fan on the field but I think Gareth runs him a close second in fairness and I think the I think Gareth's ability to be the ordinary bloke living his dream in the most impressive and artful way while still being that little kid that you know would run around the parks in Cardiff, I think I think there's an incredible joy in seeing both those aspects of him. Um, I mean, there's a whole raft of, of highlights in in actually in a Wales shirt on a field, but I think my my abiding memory going forward actually will be his ability to be a real representative of it of us and when he says he only needs a dragon on his shirt we know exactly what he means and it's meaningful yeah i i i i, I totally agree i i I've, i i was thinking about through this and i think for me i think the encapsulation of him is when he's been interviewed live on tv after we've beaten hungary and he stood there with his arms around aaron ramsey uh <laughs> And, he's, and the interviewer asks Ramsey a question about, you know, is this the first time he's been, you know, started a game in the in the group or something? Yeah. And Bale just can't control himself. Yeah, about fucking time you've contributed. <laughs> and I was just like, that is that is a joke that you would it, like that you would make to your pal if you were down the pub type thing. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's it's yeah. it's the sort of stuff like not the media trained perfect answer of like, well, you know, I've been nursing my injuries mm-hmm. and you know, I wanted to make sure I was a bit, none yeah. of that. He's just wanted to take the piss out of his mate, even though he's just scored the two goals that have taken us to the tournament. And, and I think that that is Gareth Bell. And the other one I thought of in this respect was the, the, the cup deers against the Republic of Ireland. And I appreciate he had just scored a worldie, but that expression on mm-hmm. his face um, when he did that, like he was just at, ran past them, actively laughing at them and mugging them off, and then cupping his ears <laughs> as if to say, "Yeah, all right, you, you, you beat us last time around, but look how good I am! Look how good I am!" And and I just love that he's just he's just a bit like me, yeah, all right, sodia. And I've and I've just got such time for that. I, I think I also the 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 comment, the one line of how many England team, how many England players would get in this current Welsh team? None. Yeah. I was just like, that is so like that. <laughs> That is that just pushes like if you've got a list of like things Welsh people want to hear, he's ticked a yeah. hundred out of a hundred <laughs> things on that list, in that one sentence. And I remember on the on the yeah. uh, uh, the 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 DVD, what's it, you know the 2016 one. James Collins tries to like rationalise it. He was just like, "Oh, well, it's a big statement to make." It's just like, "No, it's not a big statement to make. It's the exact right statement to make." But none of us believe it. No, it doesn't matter. It's just the fact that <laughs> he's mugging these people off about it. It's just exactly what we want. Yeah. He is, like you said, he's one of us on the, you know, on the pitch or, or, or you know, in this instance behind the microphone. And um, yeah, just just fantastic memories. If we if we can focus on the on the football pitch for a moment mm-hmm. um is, is there I, I don't I'm, I'm not a huge fan of top threes but um have you got one or two or three in any rank order you would like uh, memories that you kind of like think about when you think about him or performances or maybe not performances right now but goals perhaps things that you think like bloody hell that was amazing um actually i think i think there's an interesting question here between amazing and important yeah and I think, for example, if we think about important, like that, that free kick against Austria last June was both incredibly important and an amazing free kick. Yeah. Um, I, was going, I was going through some of the Getty images for, for the website yesterday and, and found, found a cracking one that I've added to the Common Had a Dream blog that went out yesterday that Stephen wrote, which is actually from behind the goal and it's focused all, more on the Austrian wall than it is on Gareth, but it gives you an incredible appreciation. One, how high they jumped, and hence just 
what he had to clear to get that ball into the to get that ball into the net. And so I think there's things like that where you can't sort of untangle the significance of the goal versus the beauty of the goal. I mean, I think the second goal in that game is actually a great goal as well. Um, there's obviously the home goal against Belgium uh, where we won 1-0. And I think there's something incredibly sort of just cool and composed about about that finish, the way he takes it on his chest and, 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 and scores. I think um, one goal that got me thinking yesterday as I was looking through the records, which doesn't often get talked about for very obvious reasons, the, the 6-1 loss that we had to Serbia back in 2012 where Coleman kind of, you know, threw out Gary Speed's plan and, and, and instilled his own plan and ultimately. We lost six one, but the one was the one was a free kick yeah, off Gareth. And kick, I, it, I yeah. got me wondering whether if that had been six nil, you know, was that the tiny glimmer of hope that Chris Coleman needed to stick with things as opposed to walk away? You know, was there just some spark? And I'm, I'm sure I'm over-egging this, but it did get me thinking about, you know, what do we count as significant goals? And some, sometimes sometimes they're not the goals that win games. Sometimes the significant ones are the, are the ones that make you stop and think and reevaluate and and perhaps just, you know, keep the light on at the end of the tunnel. And, um, you know, and then when he Bell went on to get a, a brace against Scotland in the, in the game just a month later, you know, perhaps... Perhaps all of that was enough for, for Coleman to just say, yeah, I'm just going to stick this out. There's something here I'm going to stick with. Um, yeah, maybe. Yeah, there's there's too, there's too many, Dave. <laughs> I mean, there's 41 of them. There's too many. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's true. And I, and you're right. Because I, I was thinking back to some of those, especially in Gary Speed's reign, where, mm-hmm. you know, we went on that great little run, I think six, five wins in six games. And, and, and like, it makes you think, you know... There are a couple of really big goals in that, like, you know, penalties and they may not have been spectacular, but they were important goals. I think one against the Swiss mm-hmm. was, was the one I think I was looking at. Mm-hmm. And then you've got these outrageous goals in games that don't matter, like that game, that goal he scored yeah. where he ran off the pitch, I think it was against Iceland. Um, you know, it, yeah. doesn't, it doesn't matter. It was a friendly game. It, who cares? He scored a similar goal running, you know, outrunning someone and cutting in against Norway, I think was the other one. And you're right, they're not significant goals in terms of their impact, but in ter- it like directly, but in terms of the where we were and where we were going at that time, like you need, we needed those moments of magic. And mm. and I think I, I know I've, I've and a big thank you to Stephen Baker, who's 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 written his piece as well. But I wrote mine today, and I think like the the thing I started off is I remember in that that game against Slovakia where we lost 5-1 and he scored the free kick and it was similar to what you're talking about against Serbia that was his first goal and i remember watching that game there were you know it felt like there were nine people in the millennium stadium given how many people you know how big the stadium was i think it was i don't know 12,000 or so and i remember coming away from that and and the thing you wanted at that point was just something to cling on to and you know we were very much mm-hmm. not doing well there uh, it was, uh, Paul Jones had shaved that stupid dragon in the back of his head um, and for his 50th cap and, and you just think well we need something here and that day you've come away you've lost 5-1 but you think you look at it and go bloody hell that lad's alright isn't he and you, I think mm-hmm. it's sometimes those little things I I can't go without saying this though without thinking about the goal uh, against against Belgium which you referenced there the, the 1-0 and um, Obviously, like the calmness personified, and I love the knee slide into the corner and him, you know, screaming into the sky in the rain, and the scenes and stuff afterward were, were fantastic. And for regular listeners, I'm, I've, I've said this before, but I'm if, if I can't tell it today, I, I, when can I? But um, the day after that, I went to play golf and um, uh, went and yeah, I was running late because I was morbidly hungover after watching Wales beat Belgium the night before. And my mate, my mate called me and said, oh, "Hurry up, Gareth Bale's on the tee in front of us." I was like, "Ha ha 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 ha! Very good. I'll be there in a minute." And uh, we played four holes, and, and and one of the holes I was on the green and looked to the side, and the tee box was just kind of across from from the green. I was like, "Bloody hell, that's Gareth Bale!" 
Um, <laughs> and uh, my mate was just like, I told you. Um, so we kind of played the rest of the round of golf and watched, I basically watched Gareth Bale play a round of golf. And at the end of it, word had kind of spread that he was he was there. And uh, the the 18th green felt like it was the, you know, the 18th green on the final day of the Open. There were so many people around. Never been so scared about hitting a golf shot in my life in case I decapitated <laughs> someone. Um, but yeah, he kind of like was signing autographs for ages and uh, and was just really nice to all these little kids and well, slightly larger kids in my case who who came over and, and wanted to say something. And fair play, he had a photo with us and shook hands and I I said thank you for the night before and he looked uh, perplexed. <laughs> but you know, it could have been so easy for him to kind of disappear and you know whatever. But he was he was so great and uh, great to be around all these people and and like I say, it was it was great that he spoke to me as well. He didn't need to speak to me, but he, he did. And to see him that night, that day after the night before, so to speak, was. Uh, was amazing and and has extra prominence i think today uh you know the the, the day after that he's retired so yeah um, fantastic memories mm-hmm. i i uh, i also wanted to to remind you ruth and you you can tell it from your perspective because i've talked a lot now um also I just, the, the music they've got in the background here is fact it's like very somber music you've got in the cafe in the background <laughs> <laughs> really suits the scene um, <laughs> they're going with my mood. They're reading my mood here. Yeah. Are they trying? To, are they trying to make us cry? Um, yeah, is the, the day that we beat that we beat Slovakia in the, on the you know the first the first day of the Euros. <laughs> I like. I we talk about football, what football means, and whatever. But like, obviously, that was the first day that you and I. I was going to say got together. That sounds more sordid than it is. But <laughs> um, but yeah, like and but and that moment, that kind of crystallizing moment where he scores, it's just like. It, I mean, you you tell me, but like it was like an out of body experience almost. It was. I mean, it was very surreal watching it in Boston in this funny little pub, and there was what maybe half a dozen of us amongst a, a, a you know a, a pub where everybody else was completely disinterested in the football. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I think it was that was a surreal day in that we were even there, wasn't it? And the yeah. build up to it and you know the fact that he it seemed like he scored virtually every goal in the qualifying campaign for that he all but did score virtually every yeah. goal in the qualifying for that and you know there was so much attention and pressure on him and he just stood up and took it and dragged us after not a very good start in that game let's be honest you know we talk we talk often about the difference that and Davies is clear makes in that whole in our whole history, actually, but but once that free kick was given, you there's just an air of confidence that he gives us, just a, a that sort of capacity. Of, well, something's going to come of this, um, and I I think we'd both gone into that tournament just if we score, if we get something to celebrate, if we show what we can do, if we you know we can hold our heads up at the end of it. That's what that's all we're after. That's all we're at asking for and and so I think there was a joy in that goal because that was everything at that point wasn't it that was that was everything we were dreaming of at that point was encapsulated in that one moment and I think it it was that first step onto the world stage and I mean obviously it was the Euros but it felt like it was that step up on to a different level and a different stage for us as a footballing country and I I I think it just it just meant so much just meant so much yeah absolutely and you know we well I say we I uh, especially after a few light refreshments will often talk about (laughs) how football for those of us who've been you know uh, longer in the tooth have been going for a long time it's never always really about the the wins and the losses and whatever else you celebrate the wins and you mourn the losses probably the losses harder than the wins sometimes but I, I've, I always say, like, whenever people question why does football matter to you so much, it's those days because it's not just the the game and the win, and it is, and it you know that's amazing, and it's what it represents for Wales and for football and all of these things, and we know all that. But it's also those extra little bits on the side, and you know, I one of my favourite days in Boston was going to that whatever that bar was next door to the little bar that we watched the Wales game, so that our pals <laughs> could watch the England game and see in the Russians. Um, scoring to go one-one at the end, and the whole 
I, I, I think it was called the Greatest Bar, and I don't know if anyone has ever been to this bar in Boston, but it's like three floors, isn't it? And, mm-hmm. and there were like three balconies, like the ground floor, and then two balconies running around it. And I don't know if anyone's ever been to that bar, but that day it was wall to wall dickheads, wasn't it? With uh, with, the, with the exception of our little <laughs> gang, and. Um, <laughs> And this whole bar was being so smug. And the second the Russians scored, and, you know, I'm not, not saying I'm a Russia fan by any stretch of the imagination in today's climate, but when Russia scored this, I, I, I'm, like, you will back me up this, the whole bar went completely silent, um, apart from you and I just turning around and looking at each other and just, like, like giggling like little kids. Like, this is, if someone could have made my perfect day, this is, this is really close to it. And, and and those little moments, and you and I from that day became great friends, and and this you know this podcast and everything that is, has been offered to us as a consequence of it, is all is all you know. I don't want to you know put a big you know tag on it, but like it started that day to all intents and purposes, and mm-hmm. you know football is about that. It's about the the extra bits. It's about the bits on the side. It's about friendships and relationships, and you know the places you go and the things you see and the stories you can tell afterwards, and you know. I've been to thousands of football games. We all have, but you know, I couldn't tell you the score of many of them. But I could, I could certainly tell you the best place to have a drink in Prague, or I could certainly, <laughs> you know, I, I, I could recount the moment when Russia equalised, uh, you know, until my dying day. So, um, you know, because of what was around it, not because of what happened on the football pitch, and you know, it, it, and I think that's yeah. the thing that I think that Gareth Bale means so much to people is because he's given us so many of those moments, which have given us so many of those days and those things and those relationships and those and those people. Are, and I don't know if I'm like you mentioned over-egging it earlier, but I think we also need to look at Bale beyond football a little bit and 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 what he means to to Wales from a from a non-football perspective as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there was it was a really nice example, and I think we've all experienced this, but I think it was Seanad David was, I think it was Seanad was um, giving a, a little a little sort of tidbit of, of news when she was out in Qatar. Um, and she was at, the point she was actually making was the sort of ubiquitousness of Amar Ahid. Um, so she'd been in a taxi ride, and the the driver had asked, you know, where are you from? Um, and she didn't reply Wales. She didn't reply Cymru. She said Wales, Gareth Bale. Like <laughs> somehow the like somehow the country's name had become like double-barreled almost. Big fan. Um, and of course, immediately the the taxi driver knew exactly who's you know where she was from and the connection and all this sort of thing. And I think that for me kind of sums up the impact that. He he and the wider team, admittedly, it is it isn't a one it isn't a one man show, and I think we've got to be careful about how we how we portray that. Um, but he he has a, a a sort of brand recognition, a terrible expression, but he has put us in a a different on a different plane, I think, in terms of how we are viewed in the world. And I've experienced it here myself. You know, I'm just. Being in the US, if when I say Wales now, people know it's not England. They might not understand the history fully. They might not appreciate the nuances of the relationship. They, you know, but they know we are a different place. And I think that is there's a confidence growing in the country. I think at the minute anyway. But I think you know such a big percentage of that has been generated by the football team. And I, I, I think it's very uh it's very hard to underestimate the impact that it's having i've seen it personally in tanzania where i just had to say gareth bale and people knew where i was from <laughs> and you know here in the here in the u.s obviously particularly now he's, he's played in la but um i i do think it's all wrapped up in this kind of confidence and assuredness and and sort of faith we have in ourselves now as a nation that we we have a place in the world and this is a sort of demonstration of it. I think so. And I think it's quite hard to sum up what it, what being Welsh is or how you could kind of demonstrate what is different from Welsh people mm-hmm. to English people or Scottish people or Irish people if, you didn't, if, you, if you're not from here, if you don't know that. It's like mm-hmm. trying to explain what the difference is between Canadians and Americans to, to some people. Do you know what I mean? Like, 
you you, you all <laughs> you kind of look the same you kind of sound the same you're basically from the same place it's basically is the same place but for those people who've been canadians canadians sorry I, I, I would actually say are quite similar to welsh people in there they're kind of they're a little bit more reserved and um mm-hmm. you know a little bit weird at times but um you know have that kind of a, a reservedness but with a self-confidence of who they are within that and i think Wales mm-hmm. has that in a certain to a certain extent as well and um and I think we're kind of we're kind of shy about the things that we're good at and I think mm-hmm. we're we're defensive at the same time of, of of other things and I think we don't feel the need to go and brag about how good we are or the things we can offer to places but we we know we can do it and up until a point I think you needed we needed someone to prove that to us as well because we could say all these things like Gareth Bale was great or Mark Hughes was great or Ian Rush was great but until you kind of see it happening, you need you need someone to personify that and humanise that in a real way. And I think when you go to mm-hmm. Wom- Womaby Street before Cardiff matches, uh, before Newcastle, oh my God, before Wales matches in Cardiff. <laughs> oh God, Newcastle playing in a League Cup quarterfinal tonight, so my head's all over the show. Um, so, but yeah, before you go to, to watch Wales play in, in Cardiff on Womaby Street, that all of a sudden, that, that personification of what it means to be Welsh is different. And that's, of course, not just him. The, we're singing songs about Wales now, and not just about being Welsh or football, but we're singing about independence or we're singing about mm-hmm. we're still here. We're singing about our language and these things weren't celebrated. And I think it's really easy to look back 50, 60, 70 years and say, oh, it's so different back then. It was different 10 years ago. I, I mean, possibly even yeah. possibly even eight years ago, if to be precise. And I remember going to Wales games in the in the early 2000s you know when i started going on my own and all this sort of stuff and you went to the game you sang the national anthem you knew the football was going to be shit but you knew you were going to have a good day out with your pals and that was it the the, the being welsh bit of it was i don't want to say was irrelevant to an extent but it, it wasn't the biggest part of your day like you just you know the football was almost an inconvenience in fact but um it, 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 it it's got to a point now where we're not celebrating football we're celebrating Wales. We're celebrating being Welsh. We're celebrating our culture. We've got football culture. We've got, you know, the bucket hats were, were on the Corniche in, in, in Qatar. And that, that means something. And, and I think, again, it's not just Gareth Bale, but, like, he's, he's been a key driver in that. And I think he personifies it in, his, in the way he is and the things he says and the, you know, you're talking about the little giggles and the wind-ups and the, like, that's what I think Welsh people are like. He could be like Ronaldo and be a dick about it, but he's not. He's, he's Gareth Bale. He's, he's, he's one of the boys. And I, and I think that he sums up what it's like to be Welsh. And I don't think you can underestimate the importance of, of the impact he's had. And for people who live outside of Wales, be it in England or Scotland or the US like you or the Netherlands like me, all of a sudden, like you say, people know where Wales is now. It's not uh, a country with a funny flag that no one really knows that much about. It's 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 important. It's different. It stands out. It's unique. It's got a culture and a heritage and a language. And, you know, again, it's not just him. And like you say, we don't need to over mm-hmm. that. But he is a big driving force in that. And, and, I, and I think that. Uh, this is going to sound ridiculous, but I'm going to say it anyway because I, I, I believe it to be true. I think he might be the most important Welsh person of all time. And I and I mean that 100% sincerely. I don't think, you know, I'm sure someone could dig out a history book and give me a lesson here. But I, I really don't think that there is anyone, at least in the modern, I don't know, era, 100 years, maybe 200 years, who've, who's done what he's done for Wales. I, I, I really don't think that there is. I think if you're looking at putting us on the world stage, I, I think that's a fair comment. I think um, there are there are a few people that, you know, might have had more perhaps everyday impact. I think an Iron Bevan might, you know, I might he might get my vote. <laughs> but the I think the premise of being able to show who we are to the outside world as it is, I think he's had more impact than than anybody, which is, it's crazy when you think about it, but it also shows the, the, the immense reach that football has. I think, it, I think we, we, we sometimes forget what a global game is and how, how uh, it is embraced so much by the, re- 
really every corner of the world. And so if you're on this particular stage, you have the whole world's eyes on you. And I think that has a power that we're just, we're only really just starting to realise. Well done for coming up with an Iron Bevan, smarty. Um, I, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I very much meant the impact that someone has had recognising Wales, but yeah, you are, as always, yeah. Ruth, more intelligent than me. Um, so um, I, I also wanted to reference a couple of things that a few other people have said. I put on Twitter that I wanted to hear some stories um, about you know things that people have said, and uh, we've had some brilliant tweets back in. Um, this is my favourite one from... Suzels, I think, at Suzels on Twitter, said, um, me and her son, who was eight then, went to watch training at the Vale before they went to France in 2016. At the end of the session, Gareth Bale kicked the ball to my boy and they passed it back and forth for about 15 seconds. But that moment and the smile on my son's face showed something so simple meant everything. And I teared up. I can feel myself going now when I read that the first time because that is what it's all about. Mm-hmm. You know? And... Uh, Okay, you go. <laughs> You're setting me off here as well. No, but that's that's a point you make in the, in your blog, your your letter to Gareth Bell. It'll be it'll be out on the website by the time people listen to this. That it's actually the legacy that's most important, and I think that's where that's. I think actually the the main thing we're trying to say here is it's about our legacy as a nation on the world stage. And how we develop that. And it's about the legacy to the little kids. It's about those little kids that think going to tournaments is normal. And having having sporting heroes that are worth admiring is normal. And having kind of dreams and aspirations and hopes are normal. And I think that's a thing that this upcoming generation is very blessed to have. And I think it, it there's a lot going on here, but a lot of it stems from the football. I agree, I agree. And uh, speaking of the next generation, and uh, Chris Faraday messages at Fezzers13 on Twitter. He said, uh, the free kick versus the size. Uh, I said to my son, it's too far out to shoot from there. And his son replied, it's bail, dad. Um, and, uh, and the rest <laughs> is history. I thought, that was, I thought that was great. I've also got one more here from uh, Darren Beerling, uh, which I think is how I say your name. Um, uh, who said, I was at Bordeaux. I was sat to the right of a small bunch, bunch of Slovak fans who were a great bunch. Up so high we could see the, the whole stadium. When Gareth lined up his free kick, I commented how the Slovak fans all had their camera phones out. It was as if they knew, and we all did. Here was that moment. And I think that is, that's, I think that's a really great anecdote. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's another example of him kind of crossing the borders, isn't it? Um, and being an important football figure, not just an important Welsh football football figure. There's some lovely stories in, the, in, the, in those tweets. Um, Nick Latham has also uh, got in touch and said, for me, it's not the memories on the pitch. Let's be honest, there's quite a few. It's the way he would attend games whilst he was injured, the way he greets players old and new at each camp, the way he celebrates every win and goal like he's in the Canton stand. He's the perfect role model. Uh, I thought that was a really lovely one as well, because that is true. There's not many people who do that, but I remember the Ireland game when we lost in 2017, I think, uh, and he was there in the, in the stand singing the anthems. And, you know, I, again, that's something quite unique in modern football, I think, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I think, oh, we got a good one, Dave, and I think we, you know, it's it's really hard to think we're not going to see him kick a football again, isn't it? It is, it is. And it's it's quite surreal, really, like the impact that mm. someone you don't know has, has, has had on yeah. your life. And especially, I, I think it's, it's easy to say that when you're a kid, I think, because you just don't know. Mm-hmm. But when you're an adult and... and you, you know, you've been to these places and you've seen these games and you've spent a lot of money to get there and time and, you know, to have someone who reciprocates the energy and effort you've put in, but also mm-hmm. it matters to them as much as it matters to you, I think is is quite special and unique. Um, I, I want to ask you some silly questions, Ruth, uh, just okay. to, to try and round off. Um, <laughs> in your view, is he Wales' greatest ever football player? You know, I have I always have trouble with this as a premise because let's face it, we're not actually in a position to answer that, are we? You know, we we didn't see Billy Moretis play, we didn't see John Charles play. We 
I, I, I find it hard to actually, to, to, to kind of, I don't like the idea of making a hierarchy of people in that way, particularly when you haven't, you actually haven't got the sort of um, information to make, to make that decision. But if we say the most impactful Welsh footballer, I think, I think he definitely tops that list. Absolutely. I think best is a difficult one to, to define. Um, but in terms of his impact on the game in Wales, his impact on Welsh football, his impact on us as a nation, I don't think there's anyone that's come close. Well, you're actually wrong, Ruth. The correct answer is yes, he is the best. Um, <laughs> um, if you don't like the idea of a hierarchical question, you're not going to like the next one either. Um, <laughs> I've seen a load of things. Like BT Sport was one of them that tweeted it as well. Like, is he Britain's? I'll change it to greatest to to, to try and skew the question ever so slightly. But is he Britain's great? Is he Britain's greatest ever player? Again, I have trouble with that. You know how? How again? How do you measure that? Gigs won more trophies. Dalglish won more trophies. Is that how you measure it? Do you measure it in terms of capacity, as we were saying earlier, capacity to take a game and win it? Then he's he's probably heading that league. Um, if you look at sort of career development and impact and playing for the the biggest teams and that's sort of, then then yeah, but but. I don't think um, no because I won't answer it for Wales. I don't see how I can answer it for the for the UK. To be honest, I don't. I don't think it's. I don't think it's a moniker. That one I don't think is a moniker that matters either. You know, because I think when we look at it from a Welsh perspective, it's so much more than being a footballer. And I don't think he's had that sort of impact across the UK. So I think I think. We're looking at it through a slightly different lens then. And frankly, that particular moniker doesn't matter to me. Um, no, it doesn't so matter to me. I, I just, I, I I'll saw, abstain. I, 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 I saw the question on uh, on Twitter, so I thought I'd ask it. It doesn't matter. It, it, well, none of it matters. Well, what really, do you think? I what think, do you think? I think, I think uh, Bobby Charlton is, is, is probably got to be the best because I think he's... He's won the World Cup. He's won the European Cup. He's won, you know, the the, the, the first division. He's won the FA Cup. He's, you know, he survived. Yeah. He, he survived a horrific plane crash where all of these horrible things happened. And um, and and I, yeah. And I think you. I, I don't. You could. I don't think you can compete with that. I, I think beyond him. I think Bale is. I think he, he, he mm -hmm. may. He may not have won as much. He may not have have you know as many medals per se as gigs but he's got he's got more mm -hmm. he's got more medals than that matter i think he's got you know big yeah. big big matches and i think from it when you look at it from a uk perspective he's also he's also done things that gigs or best uh i'm not sure about dalglish actually i don't know but certainly didn't do in you know he's he's taken his country to places and i think that for me is the sign of someone who's special and you know mm -hmm. you, you look at messi in the in the in the in the world cup just now He's he's. I, I think that has cemented. I I still don't think Messi is the greatest player of all time either. But I, I think to be in that conversation, you've got to have done something for your club, whoever whoever they are, or however many you've played for, and your country. And I think for me, that's mm -hmm. why that's why Bale stands head and shoulders above. I mean, I dislike Giggs on a fundamental level anyway, but um, that's why he stands head and shoulders above gigs and, and 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 i love i you know love george best and whatever but i i think bale's a better footballer than him i think he's done more and i think you know to to achieve what he has in europe you know five champions leagues is absolutely insane um so i i would say second only to to bobby charlton which i pre appreciate won't be popular on a welsh football podcast but um that is uh that is my that is my truth as the kids say um we uh, listened into the Rob Page press conference today, and he was talking about the future and stuff. Um, did you kind of glean much from from what Rob said about Bale's involvement in the future? Um, well, I think I think Page 
was careful what he said, and I, I can understand that. He, he's, he's not about to say, oh, no, I don't want him involved in, in the, the Wales camps going forward, is he? He's not, he's not in a position to say that. It would be foolish to say that. Um, but it's obvious that they haven't really spoken about, you know, any real plans for involvement. I think I think Paige is keen to to not cut ties and not and not close the door on any involvement. But I also think I also think Paige has Paige has got to move forward. I think this is an ease. I think this is an interesting timing. Obviously, it was. Um, you know, Bale's decision, but I do think this, the timing of this might make Robert Page's life easier. Oh, he doesn't yeah. have that dilemma that we have been t- talking about probably for about the past 18 months of do you start Bale? Is he an impact sub? What's his role? Does he retain the captaincy if he's not playing in every game? Another, And I think all of that is suddenly off the table. And I think that enables Page to move on as I, as we were talking about before, it's a, it's a trans. I hope it's transitionary, not not um, you know schismic in that sense. But I think I think the timing does enable Page to kind of close a door on that era and move forward. And so I think he's got to be careful what Bale's involvement, if anything, is. It might be that we're better off letting Bale's kind of core group of friends we know who we're talking about progress through their journey and their retirements and hopefully that you know hopefully there's a there's a a sort of longevity to that in that we don't lose all of them too soon but i think it might be help might be more beneficial if that group kind of segues out and then we think about involving bale or aaron or joe or whoever back into the into the core or do you ask Bale to you know just come to training with the under 21s and and be almost like more of a mentor to those guys in terms of their development off the pitch as much as on the pitch I think there are lots of things he could do that would have a positive impact but I do think there's also a benefit here to Paige to being able to cut the ties a little bit and I, I wouldn't want Bale any future involvement from Bale to kind of overarch what's going on I think we have to be careful with that yeah I agree I've seen a lot of chat about Bale potentially being involved as like Paige's new number two because obviously Kit Simons has left and that's a conversation (laughs) for another podcast but um, I I agree with you in the sense I don't think that's a good idea in the first instance I think we need to have an element of separation here this isn't the Gareth Bale yeah. show anymore, uh, which is weird to say, but um, and, I, and I think there needs to be an element of that separation. And I think that my suggestion was going to be some kind of, I don't want to say ambassadorial because that maybe uh, limits him a little bit, but something with the under 21s mm-hmm. or the age groups at least, because ultimately, you know, it's a competitive business and we, you know, it's, it's a, it's a difficult thing for us sometimes to get players to choose between England and Wales and, you know, if, if you're if you're greeted at training when you're 18 years old by Gareth Bale, I you know mm-hmm. I, I reckon that I'd probably do it for you. So I, I think that it's not just that sort of thing because he can have an, an an impact on the pitch and he can maybe what do a level of degree of coaching that he maybe wants to do or you know work with attackers and and that sort of stuff and that having that figurehead there I think would be really important into in in involving the younger generation Mm -hmm. of people and I think you know the older generation don't need him Brennan Johnson doesn't need Gareth Bale like uh, I I, unless he's playing but uh, you know I I think that ship has sailed (laughs) now and I think you're right we need we need to have like uh, a fresh a fresh break if that's the right way to say it Mm -hmm. and and then you know involve him further down uh, the, the setup and sure he can be involved on match days and you know, I hope they give him a good send off, and I and I it would be great to see him around and about the place when we when we you know see these brilliant FAW videos. But but I think it's important that this we're allowed to evolve. I think I think that's key. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I think on. he's conscious of that. I don't I don't think he's naive to that either. Um, yeah, I agree. So I I don't think Bale is looking to kind of have an impact off the field either i think i think this my feeling is the ball is in page's court actually on that which is how it should be it's yeah. how it should be um there was one thing that did on. strike me in that press conference dave was um 
the talk of the, the new captaincy. Yeah. And it was obvious that Page has someone in mind, but he didn't name the person and was asked quite pointedly if he would and said, no, I'm not naming them quite rightly. That's not how you announce that sort of thing. Um, but who do you think he's leaning towards? Because it's clear he has a particular candidate in mind. Uh, I will say that I was listening to that on my uh, my way home from work, uh, and uh, when he said, the, whoever it was, I forget who the the person asked him said, uh, and would you tell us who that player was? And he just went, uh, nope. <laughs> I really enjoyed <laughs> the way he reacted to that. Um, uh, for me, I, I, I thought about it at the time, and at first I thought Aaron Ramsey, but I thought, well, he's coming to the end as well. I don't think there's much sense in that. Yeah. Um, I think no. f- for me, there's one of three people. I think. I would be giving it to. And that would be mm-hmm. either Ethan Ampadu, Joe Rodden or Ben Davis. And I think the re- the most mm-hmm. likely for me, as we are going to go through some kind of transition, would probably be Ben Davis. Um, mm-hmm. And if, if he doesn't think that he wants to give it to Ben because he wants someone younger who's going to be the captain for a longer time, then I think either, either one of the other two would be my shout. Probably Ethan Ampadu. Um, but... I, you know, I, I, maybe that might be a little bit too soon for him, but I, I think realistically it's going to be Ben Davis. Yeah, I think it's going to be Davies as well um, because of the transitional nature of what's going on. But I, I agree with you. I think it's between the three of them. I think it needs to be someone that you know is going to be on the field for the next, I don't know, at least at least getting us through the Euro qualifiers and hopefully into that competition and then and then beyond and into the next World Cup qualification i think um i think both joe and ethan can be a little hot-headed still i think there there might be a little bit more maturity needed from the two of them but maybe being having the captaincy come you know it does kind of put the lid on that pot as it were and 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 helps them through that but i'm, I'm with you i think the most likely candidate is ben davies and I think, yeah, and I, I agree. I, I, the, I agree about Rodden and the maturity thing. I, I do think that Ampadu, you know, living abroad for, you know, in a couple of different clubs, I think, mm-hmm. I thought in the World Cup, apart from being our best player, I, I also thought he, he handled everything really well. He didn't kind of lose his head. He, 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 threw, yeah. he threw his arms about when he needed to, but he wasn't, you know, lunging into things like he has in the past or being mm-hmm. overly physical. So I think yeah. he is actually... Of, of the two of them, he would probably be my my preferred choice if I'm if I'm honest. But mm-hmm. um, also, I, I I love Joe Rodden. I think he's great. He also doesn't. I I can't imagine listening to Joe Rodden speak and being you know inspired inspired <laughs> or motivated. I mean, no disrespect. Uh, I, I I very much doubt Joe Rodden listens to us. But uh, if you, I don't mean that in a horrible way, Joe. Um, I know there's another way to mean it. But anyway. Um, my last question, Ruth, which I wrote down as we are approaching our hour mark, um, is if Gareth Bale was sat on this phone call right now, <laughs> what would you want to say to him? I think it uh, amounts to what most of us have been saying over the last 24 hours or so, which is just thank you. It's just deal. It's, you know, thank you for helping us believe. Thank you for for being with us while we've been dreaming and for being part of the dreamers and part of the believers and having faith and, and just giving his all and just, you know, it's just thank you. It's a really, really heartfelt thank you because these have been amazing years and hopefully hopefully it's the start of something. And I think what you were saying about the inspiration for the young generation, I think it definitely is the start of something. Um, we've, we've had it amazingly good and maybe this is as good as it's going to get, but it doesn't mean it hasn't been wonderful. I totally agree. I, I, I think I would ask him if he was ever close to signing for Newcastle United um, or if, it, if that was an option. Um, I, would like, <laughs> I would like to know. I, I'm sure it wasn't, but uh, I would like to know. Um, no, I think uh, I'd like to ask him if, you know, if he were ever to try a beer, could I be the first one to try a beer with him? Um, <laughs> and uh, and maybe, you know, does he, does he want to play nine holes of golf? I... Um, it's a difficult one because there's so many actual things you would want to say, like all the thank yous and that, and and it's, yeah. and it's and it's hard to quantify really. But I think, I think I would just want to hear like what, what from him, yeah, yeah. Or like what is his moment, what is his thing? Because we all yeah. want to want to say the same thing, and I would want to know because there's going to be stuff that we don't know and hasn't come out, and you know, 
yeah. what you know what's 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 done it for him over the years because there must have been a million things and you know to to have his insight on how things were done or uh, things mm-hmm. people have said or um m- you know special moments in the dressing room or whatever that we've kind of missed out on i think um I would, mm-hmm. I would really like to know that, but you're right. I, I, you know, ultimately, you just want to say you just want to say thank you. And I think, I think that's uh, unless you've got anything else to add, Ruth. I think that's probably uh, a perfect place to finish. Yep. No. No. It's, uh, it has been a strange, a strange couple of days, hasn't it? But uh, it's been a it'd be a good time to reflect and enjoy. And like you say, just kind of wallow in the YouTube videos and the <laughs> memories and the and the you know the good times that all of this you know all of this relates to and i think just very grateful for for the last whatever it is 16 17 years yeah 16 i think 17 years yeah um no i agree and it's just gratitude is the is the word really so yeah thank you uh, again if joe rodden doesn't listen i can't imagine gareth bale does but if on the off chance you do <laughs> Uh, and you do fancy around there's some lovely courses around here in the Netherlands actually Gareth if you um, <laughs> if you fancy a knock just let me know um, but yeah on a serious note thank you Dioch I, it's, it's, it's been an incredible journey and it's it's taken us to some amazing places and uh, well uh, unforgettable I think is the is the word I would choose mm-hmm. to use um, well there you go ladies and gentlemen thank you very much for listening um, I, before we wrap up I just want to say thanks to everyone who's written for us uh, I've got something out but also Stephen Barker, Baker's got something out uh, I know Chris Price is doing something at the moment as well we've got some great poetry from Andrew Chalice so please head over to colemanhadadream.com and give that a listen whilst you're there have a look at some links for bagsybags.com where you can use the code CHAD10 to get 10% discount uh, from anything on his website some fantastic stuff there uh, also, if you want to support us, please do so uh, and head to buymeacoffee.com forward slash Coleman's underscore dream uh, where you can uh, chip in and support us and keep us going and keep us free. Um, so thank you very much, everybody, for listening. Thank you for your time, Ruth. Pleasure. It was a pleasure. It's a nice wallowy tear jerker, but it was a pleasure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's nice nice to have a little trip down memory lane. I say that like I don't do this all the time. Um, anyway, um, <laughs> Anyway, thank you very much for listening, ladies and gents. We appreciate your tweets and your messages and everything else. And we'll be back with you uh, with a Welsh football update of sorts very, very soon. Thank you and goodbye. Bye-bye.